1: Hey, huddle up around us. This is 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. He's RJ
0: Ochoa, the managing editor of Blogging the Boys. I am Rob Thompson. My new title today is Professor-in-Chief, but uh, I'm just a lowly radio host sitting on Media Row. Uh, always brought to you by A.A. A. Best Bell Bonds, a Synergenics, and Southern Recipe Small Batch Pork Rinds. We are honored, and I do mean honored, but we are joined by Kaylin Kaler. You know her from The Athletic. Great pieces throughout the league. And a genuine honor to finally meet you face-to-face. Been reading your stuff for a while.
1: Thanks, guys. Nice to meet you. Thanks Thanks for for coming by. Happy Super Bowl week.
0: What is um, the best thing you've had to eat so
2: far?
1: Oh, my gosh. Uh, I really haven't had any meals out yet or at any restaurants. So you're catching me literally just having free meals so far. So the best free meal that I've had was media night last night. It was actually pretty good. They had a good, like, tacos, carnitas, um, spread,
0: did you have a plantain? We, uh, I did. Were you surprised, surprised that there were plantains at the Super Bowl media party? I
1: was. It's That's not true. something that you see not all So day. we thought they, <laughs> were, they, they were chicken, chicken
0: wings. wings. Like,
1: <laughs> oh, they I, they I, did look like chicken Thank you.
0: Okay. Thank you. That's all I was looking for was justification. <laughs> they did kind
1: of look like chicken wings.
0: Uh, yeah. we were, it was rather unexpected. <laughs> uh, your thoughts on what Media Night has become, or Monday Night Live, or whatever they call it now?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like a big circus. And actually, last it took me until last year. I didn't used to go to it. Like I would kind of show up. Um, midweek, like Wednesday, for when the team availabilities actually started this year. Actually, they're doing a team availability today, mm-hmm. which is nice. But um, I used to come midweek, and then uh, last year I realized it's actually great access if you just avoid the like craziness of trying to get people at a podium or like trying to like surround Travis Kelsey. Like I watched my Travis Kelsey's uh, stop yesterday, and I was like, okay, no, there was a huge crowd. There were people with signs. I don't even know what the signs said because I never, I didn't stay long enough to mm-hmm. look. It's probably an interesting scene, but um, if you find like the assistant coaches, it's great access mm-hmm. to assistant coaches. And you guys know um, that's not very easy to get during the season with these teams. Um, and especially, like for example, I talked to an assistant quarterbacks coach yesterday. You could never do that during an NFL season. Maybe if you make a special request to the team, they might let you, but most of them won't because they'd be like, "Yeah, we just don't make these guys build. Right. They're not required to." So if you avoid the, you know, Blue Man Group, walk, Blue Man Group is walking around. You know, that was I, honestly, I just find that really annoying because I'm like, I'm trying to do a job, right, here. Right. But like, it's Super Bowl week. I understand this is entertainment. It, it's fine. But if you avoid all of that, you can actually have some really productive conversations with people that are less popular.
2: It's weird how everything's kind of hiding in plain sight, to yeah. your point. Like the Blue Man Group is like camouflage uh, yeah. for the like po- easy points of accessibility. So when you write a story, I imagine... Because it takes me a long time to read them and process them yeah. because they're incredible. Yeah. But I imagine it takes... like
1: Sorry about that. Oh, it's no, a, it's the
2: long-form piece um, is an art form. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I imagine it takes months on end and i imagine you've got notebooks and the, i just envision this just kind of um the it's always sunny meme like kind of processing and processing, yeah. cross-referencing and things like that so like a night like monday night do you go into it saying like okay i have an hour and i want to yeah. talk to like x y and z and th- it's a little bit different than maybe like a, a standard conversation that you could have on the phone or whatever like yeah. it must be a little different level of pressure on you
1: yeah i spent my whole plane ride yesterday which was like i'm from chicago so it was almost four hours um i spent the whole plane ride like getting my notebook out writing down exactly who i was trying to find what i needed to ask them trying to be as organized as possible but i do have this terrible habit where i start interviewing someone and i don't look at my notes so then later i'm like why did i write all this down i mean it helps to write it down i think because it gets it in your memory but there'll be at least like two or three questions that i completely forgot to ask and then i'm like gosh dang it like and I get really mad at myself. But, yeah, I spent the whole plane ride, like, plotting out what I was going to do and my plan. And I was really mostly working on a Niners thing. So I didn't really have, like, a very detailed plan for the Chiefs. I was just kind of like, well, let's just float around and, like, sure. see who's available. But, yeah, the hardest part is, like, identifying these guys. Because, like, the coaches, they had a bunch of stools set up that they were, I think, supposed to make it to. <laughs> but it was on the whole other side. Mm-hmm. So then they would have to had, walk all the way around. And, like, people were stopping them before they got there. And so you really just had to be like, okay. And they're not wearing anything. Like they're just wearing. And the Super Bowl sweats this year are like drab
2: and dull. They're 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 Costco Kirkland brand. That's all they are.
1: Yeah, it's really a weird fashion choice. And so they were. I thought they were very hard to find Mm -hmm. in the crowd of people because there was no colors.
0: And they they at least gave us a. a roster with numbers, but no one had numbers on last night, no. so they had some pictures in the dark to stumble around when we were getting them, and I noticed last yeah. night, of course, you know, the media throng, Kansas City and, you know, Mahomes and Kelsey and all that kind of stuff, obviously the draw was there, and they were the first coming in for the night, and the crowds were huge. Once they dispersed in the way that the opening night goes, the, the, the Chiefs came out, they leave, and then the teams themselves kind of gather together for kind of a mutual presser yeah. while the fans wait, and then the 49ers come in an hour later, so now we're about three and a half hours in the time the 49ers arrived and a lot of people had already left mm-hmm. the 49ers seem to be caught in the the draft of the Kansas City juggernaut and I, I said you, you said you're writing a story on the 49ers how, how is the, is this a good thing for the 49ers right now because they're the second thought they're the second act they're the closing act you know we talk about Reed first and then we go to Kyle if he's free or or available kind of stuff is that beneficial to them are they looking at it that way
1: yeah I think they are and like I think in sports we love underdog stories and it's weird to call the Niners an underdog right. because they're really not by any any sense of the word. Mm-hmm. They are a staffed team and they've had success consistently over the last you know, over Shanahan's tenure they're really they've they've barely had a down year. But, you know, Brock Purdy is an underdog. Like he is the underdog. So I think um you know, I think they're probably are looking at it that way because the Chiefs are here to defend their title. The the Niners I mean, they do. You can't say they have nothing to lose because they have a lot to lose. Like they want to win that game. They've lost to the Chiefs once before, 2020, um, so they don't want to be in that position again. But I do think you're right about that sense of like they. Brock Purdy is the definition of an underdog. This is a Mr. Irrelevant. If he won a Super Bowl, that would be a really cool storyline. And I know that he infuriates a lot of people with his style of play and you know the way that you know, he can just scramble very slowly for a first down. And it's like. He's the complete opposite, really, of what Patrick Mahomes is. Um, But, you know, he's here. And I think that's a testament to what Kyle Shanahan has built and um, what they're doing there on offense and and on defense as well. They're really strong. So I think it's going to be really – I think it's going to be a really – it's a really different matchup than 2020, and I think it's going to be really interesting.
2: So you mentioned you have a Niner story, and I want to get there. But something like the Brock Purdy of it all, and there's a lot of discourse. I mean, that's putting it lightly. Um, Is that – does the, is that like too low hanging fruit for you? You know, like it's always oh, Mr. Irrelevant. It's like obvious, it's 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 yeah. just yeah. been talked about like ad nauseum, and it, it's remarkable, but it is kind
1: of old at this point. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm I haven't written like specifically about Brock yet, and I don't know what I'll be writing out of the Super Bowl, so that'll be uh, sort of in in development. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's always an interesting storyline. I mean, he wasn't here for the Niners the last right. time they were in this game, so. As far as the Super Bowl goes, like he is new. Sure. And and he, honestly, he hasn't been starting for that long. He started what, four games last year?
2: Yeah, well been, it, the and then he didn't even lose one right. a, until right. the, the title game when until he knocked he
1: out. And so um, you know, he was brand new on the scene last year and it feels like he's been around for a lot longer at this point. But he's really he still is actually a very new figure. And you know, the way he dresses, <laughs> the way <laughs> I think he shares an apartment with a um, right. teammate. Like, all of that is, like, very, like, low-key and kind of endearing. And so I do think he probably will end up – if it wasn't for Travis Kelsey, I think Brock would probably be, like, the sweetheart of the Super Bowl.
0: Sure. She is Kaitlin Keller, seamler writer with The Athletic. And you're talking about the 49ers and, and uh, the Kyle Shanahan and the lineage, the Shanahan family. I mean, the Shanahan name in the NFL has been around for a while. And, you know, he was brought up in the – as a coach and coaching coaches and doing all that kind of stuff uh and your work with Kyle Shanahan tell us about how he manages his team
1: yeah so the connection with Mike is really interesting because Kyle as a head coach has obviously taken a lot from his dad and Mike has a lot of coaches that have come out of his tree and now Kyle has his own tree with Robert Sala in New York Mike McDaniel um with the Dolphins um and now Houston, Domenico Ryan. Right. Um, so it's really interesting to see this tree kind of spread. And we know their offense. We know you know the wide zone run game, like West Coast offense. We know that like Shanahan style of offense that originated with Bill Walsh way back when, um, with the Niners. But the interesting thing that I'm writing about that has been sort of written about, just like in a couple sentences here and there, it, it appears in stories. And I actually got the idea from a Jets story about the Jets quarterback room. The lead of the story was Robert Sala was in his own office his personal office, and he had a screen in front of him, and he was able to listen to the quarterback's meeting room. And the quarterbacks weren't even, like, in an official meeting. They were, like, chatting after a meeting, and he was listening in on their, like, post-meeting chat, which also did still happen to be about football, so it wasn't, like, it didn't seem very invasive, but I read that, and I was like, that's really weird. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like, Can you imagine your bosses, like, having a camera in your... Office at all times. I mean, I guess radio is live, so you know they're listening. (laughs) But we're (laughs) looking for the
0: red light to make sure it's off.
1: Yeah, but like when you're not on the air, they're like listening in all the time. And so I asked someone, okay, how did how did Robert get this idea? And they're like, oh, it came from Kyle. And then I'm like, well, where did Kyle get the idea? It came from Mike. Mike was doing this in Denver in the '90s, which is crazy because like I'm like, how did that technology exist? But it was kind of like a CCTV Mm -hmm. like security camera type of thing. Mm. He could pick between the audio of the different rooms. And so I'm like, all right, I need to just t- talk to people who've coached with him, see if they think it's weird because we think it's weird. But it turns out most people who have coached for A. Shanahan, Mike, or Kyle are very into this. Like they're like, yeah, we just assume we're always, or who have played for them, they just assume they're always being recorded. Um, a couple of players last night did say like Trent Williams was like, he's always listening. It's kind of like being on Big Brother. <laughs> and so that is that is part of it. Like you have to know like you're always getting watch, whatever you say is going to be heard. But, um, you know, people, most, the majority of them find it to be helpful because, especially the coaches, because they're like, we can self-scout after the season. They can watch things back. And then there's a bunch of anecdotes in my story about, like, Mike jumping into a meeting sure. that people were having to fix something in real time. Um, John Embry, who is the assistant head coach and tight ends coach now in Miami, he told a story in Washington where him and Kyle were arguing about how they should block uh, the backside of a run. And Kyle ended up agreeing with him. And then 30 seconds later, because Kyle was the offensive coordinator at the mm-hmm. time, 30 seconds later, Mike comes bursting into the room. And he's like, no, no, we're not doing it this way. We're not doing it this way. And John was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> so yeah. things like that are happening. And then, like, Brandon Allen, the third-string quarterback with the Niners. So I didn't get to ask Brock about this. I was not going to fight the crowd in front sure. of him. Um, but Brandon Allen, who is a third-string quarterback in San Francisco right now, he said they called a screen in their room um, – the voice of God because Kyle's voice will just come in to their quarterback room when he's not in there to like give them a note.
0: So, there's so many issues I have with it but you can't <laughs> argue with success and if people are walking away with it going it's no big deal right. I, I, I give it a little bit more credence but my first thought is you're doing what to win yeah. and then what about the players in the union side of this there's some issues in here that I'm thinking
1: the interesting thing is, you know, uh, that's a good point. I maybe sh- it hasn't run yet. It's running tomorrow. Maybe I should call the union today to be like, do you guys have an issue with this? But actually, a player on the twenty ten Commanders team that was right before the lockout, mm-hmm. the lockout was happening the next summer. Um, he told me that they did have an NFLPA meeting and they they are able to. This is I I should have said this earlier. They with Mike and with Kyle because now Kyle is doing it on Zoom, so you can mute the Zoom. Interesting. If you want to, you can mute it. You have like the coaches have the control of that if they want to, and Mike. Before Zoom days, he had a light switch on the wall right, okay. where you could turn the audio off so there's some where you could turn the dial down yeah. so when the NFLPA came in to have this meeting with the players, they were like, all right, we got to make sure like, we're not being <laughs> you know, recorded here so that the coaches don't have an influence so there is a little bit of like free choice there, but like you know some coaches told me like, "Oh, I never bother I just you know it's fine
2: I'm just astounded that Kyle, who has a number of responsibilities, has the time like I I, I I don't have time to listen to like every podcast I want to listen to, I know. you know, like how can he focus while listening, and how can does he have a schedule of like you know when he jumps in here or there or whatever like that in and of itself is
1: fascinating so it's like it's hard to understand because the head coaches will say that it makes them more efficient because I, I didn't actually talk to Kyle for the story, but I did talk to Gary Kubiak, who coached for my coach with Kyle um co- actually Kyle coached under him and Houston when right. he became a head coach. And Gary said that he took this, and he did sort of like a light version of it where he just had it in his three big meeting rooms for special teams, defense, and offense. That makes sense. And so, because those are like the meetings, you can't be in all three of those. Usually on an NFL schedule, they're all happening at the same time. So you can't go to all three of those meetings as a head coach, so you can listen to all three at the same time and chime in. So that part makes sense. But, yeah, I don't know how you would have time to like (laughs) go through everything. Um, So I think they multitask. Like I think the coach is in his office. And he's doing whatever, like, head coaching things he needs to get done. He's got, you know, it's like listening to a podcast while you're working. It's sort of similar to that. So, yeah. But it is, like, crazy. That's then i and talk I talked to, um, I just asked Norv Turner, who has head coached in, like, three different teams. I just asked him, hey, did you ever do this? And he was like, no, I was way too busy to be doing that. So you'll hear, like, the same, different arguments mm-hmm. from different people. And when you talk to coaches, you know, outside of the Shanahan tree, just presenting them with this idea, they're like, that's weird. Like, you right. know, the people on the outside think it's weird. But I will say with COVID, um, 2020, the COVID protocol, a lot of the meetings had to be held. If you couldn't, like, physically distance, you put everything virtually. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of coaches were joining into each other's meetings on Zoom. So I think that um, technology like um,
2: accelerated this yeah, whole, yeah, sure. It
1: was like the next evolution of what Kyle and Mike had already been doing. And now I think more, I think you'll find coaches outside of the Shanahan tree who do this now because of covid and the zoom.
0: Yeah, there is a little bit more comfortability of having a camera and a microphone on yeah. in a random place. I think we're more accustomed to. But it, the idea that the forward thinking Shanahan is doing that that seems so relative to constraining old school ideas. Uh, you'll do how I coach as I coach. I'm going to listen to you coach. Sounds really interesting, progressive, not progressive for what I believe to be a very progressive coach.
1: Yeah, and and I think too like I ask players if they notice the difference like if they when they played somewhere else that didn't do this. And um, Logan Paulson, who is a tight end for Kyle and Mike he um, was in San Francisco for fi- Kyle's first year and then he had played in Washington for Mike. He said when he played at other he played for like three other teams that had were outside the shanahan tree and he said he noticed like right away like mm-hmm. things were not consistent like he'd be in a um, a meeting with the offensive line coach and he would explain something but like not fully explain it and then the offensive coordinator who wasn't in the meeting didn't know that that meeting hadn't gone well and then he's retreading the same stuff, but it hadn't gone well, and so no one's understanding things, and so, like, the details aren't lining up. And so, as weird and, like, surveillance-y as -hmm. it is, and it does – there are people who are rubbed the wrong way by it. Sure. The majority of them are like, this is fine. But it does – the end result is that you – can make sure that everyone is saying the same thing, which can be a problem on coaching staff.
2: It makes sense how his staff would be so prominent and everyone's well-organized and ready and equipped for opportunities that come their way. Um, You've written extensively about a lot of things, including the Cowboys analytics staff. And that's a weird topic in my world because Mike McCarthy is such a polarizing figure, especially when it comes to analytics because people remember his opening press conference and, you know, it just conversations go sideways. I don't think people regard the Cowboys as an analytically forward organization. Um, people just kind of view them as as the Cowboys of it all. Um, I don't really have a question as as much yeah. as I'm just curious for your yeah. kind of thirty thousand for thoughts on them.
1: Yeah, well, I wrote that story because um, you're right. Like Mike is very polarizing, and is particularly when it comes to his clock management. Right. And which is a branch of analytics. It's like weird defining analytics is really impossible. It's like <laughs> it's like seven different things, sure. but like. Clock management is one of those things that falls into the bucket of it, and so um, they. D- I wrote this story because I noticed they had really expanded their analytics staff this summer. They had gotten rid of the- Tom Robinson, who was previously in charge for like 20 years of their analytics, and they had a couple consultants who like worked under him, and I think like maybe one staffer, and so all of those people had left. Some of them left because they wanted to. Right. Some of them um, they moved on from, and so. They replaced them with a team, with John Park, who's now the director of analytics there, and he came from Indianapolis, and he was able to hire, I think, four people mm-hmm. under him. So they have, like, a five-person staff now, which puts them on the high end of analytics staffs in the NFL. Comparatively, like, baseball teams have, like, 40. But for uh, football, that's a lot. This, this is five, still the Stone Age. Yeah, <laughs> right. Having five is a pretty good number. So I wanted to see if, like— when i wrote it midseason i was like what what i was trying to figure out what the impact of this analytics staff is mm-hmm. was on the team and it's really hard to tell midseason you almost need like 5 years to be like this is what they've done right and like the cowboys have drafted well mm-hmm. so they're just probably just going to add to the efficiency with their drafting but i wanted to know in game like what was going on and so essentially my conclusion you know was that mike i mean this is I'm on a tangent now, but Mike getting rid of Kellen Moore and being like, we're going to run the ball more, but then he actually just passed more than Kellen mm-hmm. had, actually. And so it, it seemed like that was a good thing during the season when they were having success. And I actually thought that might be the analytics staff's influence because they were passing on early downs more than they had right. um, with Kellen Moore, which is a sign of anal- an- mm-hmm. analytics influence um, when you pass on early downs. So I was like, oh, that might be something. They were using motion more than they right. had before. Um, Which also is just a very like analytically sound thing for an offense like use motion shows you what the defense is doing That is like something you can do to have success So there were a couple of areas where like I felt like that was possibly the analytics influence But my larger question was like is this going to be the year that Mike finally figures it out and like the Cowboys are going to go farther than they have and Honestly, I don't know that that last game says anything about.
2: No, it didn't offer anything. it didn't offer an opportunity to evaluate no, that to your point.
1: Right, and I so I was hoping it would be a close game, it would come down to some two minute decisions, and uh, you know, but it, I mean, there's nothing. I, I don't even I haven't even rewatched that game. So I'm just like I don't even know what there is to see here. Like this is.
2: If I mean I'm with you and it's it, it was so out of character, out of yeah. you know, out of the box for what they'd been and defied everything about who they had been to your point that you know I always thought McCarthy's run the ball comment was taken a little out of context yeah. because of how polarizing he is. Yeah. And, and so, you know, he huh. he offered that Kellen wanted to sc- light up the scoreboard and people just again ripped on him for that and right. you know, and people you know drag him for the initial you know i i built a front office in my barn whatever yeah. and so like nobody will evaluate him fairly which is why we appreciated you offering yeah. that because that had never really been done
1: yeah and i wanted to talk to him for the story just to be like what are you actually doing now with analytics <laughs> That's a good question. i was surprised i talked to someone who worked for him in green bay his name is mike ayers he's considered like the grandfather mm-hmm. of football analytics he like invented a bunch of metrics that we use now before they even really had anything um and he was actually interesting because he was like, you know what, Mike, Like we were, they were kind of advanced in Green Bay in the early days of his Green Bay tenure. But then he also said something that I think explains a lot about Mike now, which was that, you know, like I brought up, um, I, th- I can't remember what game it was now, 2014 maybe NFC title game, Packers-Seahawks. Seahawks. And he kicked field goals, two field goals in the fourth quarter um, from like the one-yard line, which now – Coaches would not do that. Right. Like you would not see that decision no. being made. And Mike Ayers was like, "I was like, how would you talk him through situational things like that? Like when you analyze it the next day, because he he said Mike would have him go look and see. Okay, historically, what happened when a team did this? Did they okay. win or lose? Like win probability. And Mike Ayers said something that like would make analytics people of today like riot because he was like, you know, we're seeing like a four or five percent win probability." increase or decrease and he's like that's not really that significant but analytics people today would be like that's huge right each of those decisions adds up um so like you basically lost like eight percent win probability (laughs) in the first quarter for those two field goal choices which ended up you know being consequential yeah so um when Mike Ayers said that, I felt like it explained a lot about how Mike makes Mike McCarthy makes choices now, which is like he he 's not and it 's good to not just like look at the numbers and be like, "This is what the book tells me to do we 're going to do that like you do need to put it into context, but I do think that like mike 's football side, his coach intuition, probably wins out more than the numerical analysis does and i think that's like what it comes down to with him and i i wanted to see i wanted to see him put into that position again not anytime
0: soon at least for the next couple of months yeah she is Kaylin Kaylor. she is the senior writer with the athletic sitting in with us here on san antonio sports star this is
2: an interesting week um in that it ultimately decides narratives which defy objective data and facts in a lot of ways so is that frustrating for you? Because that's generally, from my vibe from reading you is you lay out facts and draw conclusions. But this is the kind of polarizing thing that, well, you know, Brock Pretty won the Super Bowl. Brock Pretty defeated Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. And we we're never able to put that toothpaste back in the tube.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is a tough, I think covering a Super Bowl is just hard in right. general because there's very few things that you can write that are interesting and different. Or or
2: that aren't being told simultaneously. Yeah, because
1: you're right. It is, like, just a whole week of narratives, and, like, um, those can be fun and interesting, and, like, I just think about, like, last year's Super Bowl, Kevin Clark wrote something for the ringer that was, like, just about Patrick Mahomes being great, and, like, that's not a unique idea, but it was really good. And I was like, oh, how did he do that? Like, how did he pull that off? That was, like, really... And I, I don't even know how to describe what he did exactly, but, like, he just sort of, like... You know, went into, like, you know, how Mahomes had battled through that ankle injury, which is really impressive. And, yeah, so, I mean, this is a week of narratives, but you can still take an obvious story and, like, make it interesting. It's just figuring out how.
2: He has a way, and sometimes the obvious thing should be said. Like, it should just be the obvious thing. You don't have to dress it up and... and not that Kevin doesn't write expansive or detailed things, but sometimes, like I, he, he's such a great golf writer as well. And yeah. sometimes it's just about the emotion or the statement or the fact or whatever it is. It doesn't. Yeah. It's just what are, how do we feel about this? And I think that that's powerful in and of itself.
1: Totally. Yep.
0: Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, it. guys. It's fun. It, it's
2: going to be a busy week. We're glad you're here. Yeah, We're looking forward you. to the Niners piece, unless the NFLPA like shuts it down. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I should uh, ask
1: them. Like, hey, what's, what do you guys think of this? Yeah. I saw him yesterday, and I should have said something, but I'll call him. Well, we'll <laughs> Thanks see. <for> the idea, <laughs> Taylor,
0: right here on San Antonio Sports Star.
1: Thanks, guys.